Hello everyone, this is Arzu and this is Akansha and welcome to the third episode of Atypical Avocados. So what's up man, how was your week? My week had a lot of space theme going on to it. First the SpaceX rocket taking off and also I ended up watching the whole season of Space Force this week. Oh, same here, man. I think the whole experience uh, watching the SpaceX launch was very surreal. You know, it just makes you realize how far we've come when it comes to technology and how much everything has advanced. Yeah, I, I feel like we're not far away from when iRobot actually becomes a reality and robots take over the world. I think we're very far away from that. But the way technology is developing right now and if it is misused and not controlled, we could end up in a situation like that. So I disagree and I agree. I don't think technology itself is good or bad, right? It's the human choices or the actions that we use uh, on that technology which actually makes good or bad outcomes right so it's really important that we derive the best outcomes for the betterment of the society and make sure that these outcomes are distributed equally to us all yeah but that also comes with its own challenges you know the process of doing this and making the society accustomed to it yeah so if you've watched black mirror right Mm -hmm. uh, i think it's very uh, plausible technology not very futuristic right Mm -hmm. so you'll see that to start off with the tech is always with the good intention right but in the end you realize that there are some long-term repercussions that nobody uh, saw coming in the starting so I think overall we need to spend more time thinking about the implications of the technology innovations and this entire thing should obviously or this entire process should be led by business leaders and policy makers. Yeah, I agree. But I also think that people are very skeptical and sort of apprehensive about technology being everywhere. Like every step they take, there is technology surrounding them. And that puts some people in an uncomfortable space. And I think it's mostly because people do not understand it or the cloud surrounding it. Right. So I feel that, you know, people focus on the short term disruption that comes along with the technology, right? Be it Hmm. reduction in jobs because of automation or income or, you know, wage polarization and the constant need for upskilling, right? But at the same time, this technology is going to improve health. They're going to better work and it's going to help in sustainable development, right? So I think that people miss this big picture. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. And that's why in today's episode, we're going to help unpack some of this for you guys. And more importantly, focus on how we can use technology for good. Uh, Let's welcome our guest for today. Kirit Tharaka, who is going to join us all the way from the US to do so. Kirit is currently working on the latest technologies in the Bay Area as a consultant. His vision for the future of humanity is one where every individual has the opportunity to achieve their dream through technologies like 5G, IoT, AI and blockchain. Hi Kirit. Hey Akansha. Hey Arzu. Hello. How are you guys doing? We're good. How about you? Good, good. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot happening right now. And in spite of all of that, things have been going well. So I'm grateful. And I hope in spite of everything that's happening, you guys are doing good too. Yeah, I think we're, we're doing well. Given the circumstances. Yeah, a lot of Delhi shit is going down, but it's fine. <laughs> of course. I mean, getting a band from badminton, that's probably as crazy as it gets, right? Okay, let's move on. So, Kirit, since you're working in the Silicon Valley, why don't you start by giving us an overview of the current technology trends that you see around you? Sure. Uh, there's quite a lot happening over here. And, you know, in the two years that I've been here so far, I feel very fortunate to have been exposed to a lot of what's happening. And some of the things that really interest me and that I find I'm uh, more drawn to are AI and everything that comes within AI, Internet of Things, you know, how we deploy sensors, what kind of sensors we deploy, the networks that connect them with 5G, and then at the ultimate, um, how we rethink our economy and the way we exchange and the way commerce happens with the blockchain. Uh, and I've seen a combination of a lot of these things where individually in their own kind of silos and use cases, there's a lot of progress happening. And then also at the intersection of all of these things where AI meets blockchain meets IoT, powered by 5G. That is what I'm seeing happen and people talk about and think about what kind of solutions or what kind of thought process needs to go into building some of these larger scale multi-technology deployments. Also with large enterprises thinking about, especially when it comes to data, how they manage that better, how they use it better, how they make you know experiences for their customers and their employees more centered around them and their experiences mm -hmm. and how we can start solving and tackling some of the larger issues at hand here which are becoming more and more urgent every moment that we let them stay unsolved and a big part of that involves bringing everyone into the fold right for the problems yeah. that affect 8 billion people it's not going to be a handful of people in Silicon Valley that solve that problem. And I think people are now, fortunately, and better late than never, they're becoming wise to that. And opportunities are being looked for where more people, everyone, in fact, can be involved in the discussions and the design and building of solutions using technology that benefit everyone. And at the fundamental you know, layer powering all of this is also just the network and digital infrastructure we have, mm -hmm. you know, with data centers and networks and, you know, fiber optic uh, cables powering the underlying veins of the digital you know, world we live in. Because today, there are a lot of people that don't have access to technology and those that do yeah. have access to technology don't necessarily benefit from that technology. Yeah, it's very interesting you talk about that. I read about this point of view someone had about the situation in India. For example, take the migrants who are living in urban cities and now they are heading back to the rural areas. So what are these migrants taking back with them in terms of technology? They are used to, you know, having internet and, you know, high-speed connections on their phone. So they are taking these, you know, requirements back to the rural areas, which will make it more important for the government to provide a more holistic approach to both the urban and rural populations and thus giving, you know, an equal opportunity to both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up the point of migrants because it you know, reminded me of another really strong and necessary application that technology can provide today. It is really beneficial for you know people that are migrating either by force yeah. or migrating because you know circumstances make them. For cases like that, a lot of these people are leaving behind identity. Yeah. And in many cases, like if you're migrating away from, let's say, a land that has been you know destroyed through some environmental 
hazard and all of your documents are gone and you go to a new place, then how do you prove your identity? If you're a refugee, where is your identity? And in cases like that, using decentralized technologies like distributed ledgers, having people have an identity that is immutable, that is traceable, that is always available anywhere, gives people more than just the ability to take technology with them, but the ability to take their identity with them. And that's a big problem that you know I've seen in people working with you know refugees and Yeah, I think I was reading some article from a refugee who is in Sudan at a camp and they have implemented a private blockchain over there. And because all these people don't have an identity, so they've been able to create all of that. Even their transactions, all the subsidies or daily wages that they get, they get it by that particular blockchain. And all the transactions are very seamless. Actually like it's a very good example of live use case of a blockchain but then again it's a private blockchain and we don't know how well we can sort of build on that what do you think are the few challenges when it comes to implementing blockchain for to solve real life problems it's a great question and one of the big challenges with blockchain adoption is the user experience of blockchain it needs to be as easy as it is to do a transaction on your icici bank app today or sending something via UPI. It's easy. It's easy to understand. It's easy to do. Blockchain today is not. You have to go online, you have to create a wallet, and then you get some, you know, password. And then you have 12 words that you have to remember. And then you have to go take those 12 words and store it in a folder. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't remember which folder I stored it in. And then you think you're being smart and you make that a private file. You're like, wait a minute. I don't remember what's happening. I don't know what my password is. And then, you know, you're locked out of your Bitcoin account. Well, that doesn't happen all the time. What I'm getting at is the user experience of blockchain isn't something that, you know, just anyone can pick up and start using. And that's one of the big challenges is the UX. Uh, Another big challenge is getting government buy-in or getting the buy-in from people, from the incumbents, basically. And that's because blockchain to a lot of them is seen as a threat to the way they do things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of people do stand to lose something and gain things as well. But I think a lot of times people focus on what they're going to lose. And there's a little fear around, you know, bringing in blockchain. And another area where there are challenges is in the way blockchains have been built, right? So if you take the Bitcoin blockchain, it requires a tremendous amount of computational power. A lot of that computational power today is in China. And there's a massive disproportion in the way mining infrastructure is distributed. And at the end of the day, if you have a decentralized currency where 50 or 60% of that currency is being powered by areas in one region, then it isn't, again, truly decentralized. Okay. So, but again, we have to remember that blockchain is still new. Yeah. Blockchain is 2009 was when the first paper came out and it's been 10, 11 years since then. And it takes a long time for technology to mature, to go through the hype curve and down back to some level of stability. But there's good progress being made. More people are talking about it. And I think that's how it starts. So you spoke about Bitcoin. I truly believe we should use technology for more sustainable development. In fact, every business you know, should have that whole view of sustainability, right? When they're building out their business. Bitcoin consumes, you know, more energy than the entire nation of Switzerland. That's just a fact out there. So what do you think, like if more and more countries start building their own digital currency, start mining Bitcoin and other 
cryptocurrency, don't you think that it would have a really negative impact on the environment, which we are not ready for? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of my biggest criticisms of Bitcoin in particular. I think Bitcoin is a great example, right? It's a great pilot. It's a great kind of reference model to look at and say, oh, wow, this is what cryptocurrencies can do. Mm -hmm. But taking that example, Mm -hmm. you start modifying it and coming up with more efficient mining algorithms, efficient ways of securing the blockchain, ways that require much less computation. And some examples are proof of stake, where instead of using money through power and energy to secure the blockchain, it is votes that secure the blockchain. Those votes are proportional to the amount of that currency you're willing to put towards that blockchain as marked towards securing it. Um, There's also IOTA, which is a blockchain focused, uh, I'm using the word blockchain, but I should say distributed ledger or a DAG, Mm -hmm. a directed acyclic graph. Okay. Yes, DAG. That's what IOTA's tangle is. And that inherently requires, I think, no computational um, or nothing computationally intensive. So there are alternatives to mining that are being designed, tested, deployed in some cases. And I think that's what we should put more energy and effort behind. Kirit, you mentioned about you know using technology for good and that's essentially what Arzu and I were discussing before uh, you came in. So we would like to understand you know what are the few pressing society issues for you and how do you think technology is going to help resolve those? A great question. I'm glad to hear that you guys are talking about this. And this is something that I am very passionate about, think about a lot. First and foremost, I believe technology's primary purpose is to make our lives better. And by our lives, I mean everyone's life, not just mine, not just yours, everyone's. And a big part of what I see being important for that is providing opportunity and giving everyone the opportunity through technology to do what they want to do to be who they want to be and to live the way they want to live. And currently today, in my opinion, a lot of our technology runs on extractive models where they benefit from commoditizing people. And the incentive is not to making people's lives more enhanced or adding value to people's lives. And again, this is not a blanket generalization of all of technology, but it's a big problem within technology. I really believe it's important to flip the model, to flip it in a way where Technology is inherently designed with people at the center. It's designed to be humane and add value. Because it's people-driven, it needs to be people-designed. It needs to be where the people are. The data needs to be where the people are. Uh, The AI algorithms need to have equal representation. Um, The birds in the background need to somehow be represented with this technology so that their (laughs) habitats uh, stay safe. And it's really about rethinking the way we deploy so that um, everyone is centered. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you have worked on? Some of the uh, challenges that I've uh, worked on and some of the ways that I've used technology and companies I work with have used technology are one, bringing privacy to AI. So rethinking how AI algorithms are designed and deployed and moving computation and data collection and storage away from the cloud and to the edge so that your interactions and anything that you do with your artificial intelligence assistance are privately securely stored on your device. Another company that I was working with where I was heading technology was focused on changing the fundamental data economy. And today our data economy, our personal data economy is heavily based on collecting massive amounts of data 
using that data to then sell ads and effectively commoditize people's attention. So I was working on changing that model where at the end of the day, what the company needs is an insight about someone who's using their platform so that they can you know, personalize whatever they need to personalize. That data doesn't need to go to that company. And certainly all of the value that's generated, all of the monetary value that's generated should not go to that company because that underlying fuel was provided by the person using the platform. So it's only fair that they, one, consent to all of the information that is being captured. And two, if information is being captured, be captured in a way where it preserves that person's preferences on how it is shared, who it gets shared with, how it's used. And most importantly, all of the value that's generated from that act of collecting and using that insight should be shared with the person that's responsible for that being generated. Okay. That, in my opinion, is a more fair way of you know dealing with data and designing tech products. Another startup that I'm working with is focused on personalizing the delivery of education using AI so that people all across the world can now be given this piece of technology that is able to deliver content and deliver education material to them in a way that best suits them by analyzing in real time how well they're receiving and understanding the information that's being presented to them. Lastly, another uh, area of focus is in digital infrastructure, mm -hmm. starting from the underlying network infrastructure that powers the internet and all our digital activities. A lot of that infrastructure is still using copper cables and you know, telephone cables, which aren't the most reliable. And especially now, what we're seeing happening through COVID, increasingly digital world that we're in. It's like this time has just kind of accelerated the direction we're heading in. And now as more people come online, more people need to use the internet. That infrastructure needs to be looked at and we need to say, hey, it's not good in these areas. Let's go in and fix it. And then also the data centers themselves. Data centers now are not just, you know, the big hyperscale cloud powering data centers that we imagine, like, you know, ventilators that are powering the lifeblood of this digital world. But data centers are also moving to the edge and we're seeing more micro data centers being designed. And I'm working on, um, you know, bringing a data center into India as well. Edge data centers and you know, spreading that so that, one, everyone has the digital you know, network and storage and computational infrastructure that they need. And then with that, you can then power all the applications that are built on it, like the AI applications that I talked about, being able to create these alternative data models. So it all is linked and it starts from that underlying infrastructure all the way to the you know, final application that you and I can touch and feel. Wow, it's really amazing, you know, this kind of stuff that, that you've been doing. There's this very interesting article that I was reading, which basically said that humans inherently are not very good at decision making, right? Which is where AI comes into picture, right? So all the critical decision making should actually be done by a machine. So in order for us to eventually get at that level where we are comfortable by a machine doing all of these decision making for us, what do you think is missing right now and you know where we should focus more? Yeah, that's a uh... It's true. There are a lot of areas where AI is going to make more decisions because it's better at it. I still think there are areas where humans are inherently better at making decisions or should continue to make decisions, especially when it comes around what is right and what is wrong in the case of a self-driving car, you know, the age-old example of someone crossing the street, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a combination, but with AI in particular, it's inevitable 
it is going to be making more decisions and more involved. And I think in that, what I want to talk about is responsible and ethical use of AI and designing it that way. You know, as we start building a society that's more dependent on algorithms, then it's really important to take a look at how those algorithms are designed, right? Like okay, at the okay. end of the day, the technology that we build is a reflection on the people that build it. And the way we think, the way we feel influences the way we do things. As we're all familiar with, there have been a lot of instances where bias has crept into AI. Um, you know, it's crept into ways people have been hired and loans have been given. And you know, there are many examples of that bias. But what I'm more interested in is figuring out how to, one, get rid of that bias, which I think is a problem that involves both technology and people. Secondly, how we can shift the mindset to a, a more global scale where when you think of AI, it doesn't feel like thinking about something else to think about responsible AI. And how do we make ethical, fair, transparency a core part of the way we design AI? Because we are going to see more you know, autonomous machines that take on larger and larger responsibilities for the functioning of society. When that happens, I personally really want to make sure that whatever AI I'm interacting with is going to be fair. And if I am unsure of why a particular AI has done something, I want to be able to know why. I want to be able to know how. So a big push that you know I'm seeing and that I'm working on, the current company I'm working at is bringing more transparency, fairness, ethics, into AI by creating frameworks where and tools where you cannot take it to any AI algorithm that has been deployed and measure it against not just oh you know how much accuracy are my predictions showing up on my testing data set, but more than just accuracy, how biased are my predictions? How biased is the data set that went into these predictions being made? How do I visualize what's happening with this AI? AI today is like for the most part, the black box, it's really hard to understand why an algorithm is doing what it's doing and how it's doing what it's doing. So bringing more visibility into that is, again, an area where more effort and energy should be spent. Kirit, wow, that's been a lot of information. Can you just summarize it all for us? <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> so the way I see all of this technology interacting is future society that we're creating. We have AI that in many ways is like the brain of the societal body yeah. you have the telecom infrastructure as like the veins pumping blood which is data through the that entire body for the brain to go and process and then you have data centers that are pumping all of the oxygen and blood and are acting like ventilators ensuring that this body continues to live while providing equal opportunity for everyone Absolutely. That is yeah. the most important. Yeah. Profound, profound. Well, uh, well, Kansha, that uh, was certainly not the word that <laughs> came to my mind. No, I honestly felt that it was very insightful and very profound for most of us. Um, I'm glad to, glad to hear that and really glad to do this with both of you. You know, I, w I wish we could have done it in person, like the good old days in COAP or quote unquote good old days. Uh, I think like we, we have better days to come post COVID when hopefully we do more of this in person. Yes, we're all looking forward to that. And thank you so much, Kirit, once again for being here with us and giving us so much information on what's happening with the technology around us. Profound, profound. 
My my <laughs> pleasure, my pleasure. And the next time we do this, hopefully it's with some whiskey sours at Elephant and Co. Yes. It's been too long. Um, oh, oh, oh. You know, as you're talking to Kirit today, I, I'm very optimistic that people are working on using technology for the good of the entire society and to provide technology as an equalizer, you know, and that good is going to come out of this. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for our next generation, especially they're going to have so many crazy things coming to them in the future. Looking back to the 90s, you know, when the whole dot-com bubble started to right now, when there are at least 570 new websites being created every minute yeah we've come a long way did you know that the first website ever created which is info.cern.ch is still up and functioning to this day that's a really bad domain name that's true it he was doing this in 1991 and it's not much there are no <laughs> graphics or no links it's just plain text but it's still up and running wow well here's a fact that you didn't need to know Thank you guys for being here with us today. We hope that you're going away from this episode with a lot more than what you came with. A big thanks to Kirit for taking the time out and for being here with us today. Please don't forget to follow us on all our social media channels at Atypical Avocados and also subscribe to us on all your podcast listening channels. We would love to hear your feedback so do drop us a message on contact at atypicalavocados.com It was really fitting that we finally get our domain name in time for this episode. Yes, finally. I'm not going to complain anymore. So bye-bye, guys. Please stay indoors. Please stay safe. We will see you next Sunday. Take care. Bye.